Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. Bathurst 12 Hours on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Seventy-five car. Um, boy, didn't they box on it towards the end. There was contact. There was arguing in pit lane. There was technical issues going on with Engel's car. And ultimately, um, Maro Eng, um Jules went on to win that one and now back to back and looking to go for a three-peat three in a row, which hasn't been done in the in the 12-hour era of this race. So uh, some pretty special stats that could play out this weekend. Well, tw- three in a row for Sun Energy won the potential outcome today and that car heading into turn one now. So they're at pit exit, garage number one, uh, as is the right of winning the race. You get pit exit, prime pit position for all the pit stop dramas that I'm sure will unfold over 12 hours on Sunday. But for Gunon, the little piece of Bathurst history is potentially even larger because he won in 2020 as well with the Bentley. And in the history of endurance racing at this place, your good self included, no one has won four races in a row. No. Including I mean, P. Brock. So that's pretty yeah. mega. And yeah. you'd be brave to bet against him, given his form here, as you mentioned, Rich, over the last three events, and just how solid he is in this car. I mean, watching him last year, it was hard to argue that he is not the best, definitely not the best Mercedes GT3 driver in the world, if not the best GT3 driver in the world at this point. The way that he is able to manage this car and extract lap time out of it, but his consistency last year was just astronomical. Um, they played the, the strategy card last year. They didn't take tyres at the last pit stop. And the way that he manipulated Maro Engel and just placed him <laughs> throughout that last stint was masterful to watch. So this is a man that's fully in control of not only driving the race car, but the, the race cars around him as well. Yeah, and, and then spent the last 12 laps fending off Matt yeah. Campbell, who was yeah, bouncing right. his Porsche off. Coming at him with tyres as well. Yeah, exactly. So. It was awesome. So this, John Hynoff, a 40-minute practice session to get everything warmed up for a big day. There's four 40-minute sessions today. Two of them are dedicated to the bronze-ranked drivers only in the GT3 class and then uh, Which else. ones are those? That's practice two and practice four. Uh, like practice no, two, not the first one. Right, so not this one. No, practice two later on this afternoon, this morning. In fact, it's only a very quick turnaround between the two opening sessions. So that's just to give the AM drivers, the amateur drivers, an opportunity to get lots of laps on their own without having to dodge all of these super professional works drivers so four sessions today a further two practice sessions tomorrow morning before we roll into qualifying and then the fight for the Alan Simons and Pole Award and the Pirelli top 10 shootout later on in the afternoon so that's the sequence of events and then of course 5:45 a.m on Sunday morning which in my humble opinion is the best hour of motorsport in the country is the start of uh, the Repco Bathurst 12 hour for this year uh, and as far as as the circuit is concerned, Garth, uh, for our international listeners watching as well as listening in this uh, early week coverage on the RSL network, um, no changes. This is Bathurst as it has been for a long time. Now, I didn't get on the mountain last year, though, and I hadn't realised 
how that new footwear along the top of the mountain... Now, I'm sitting in a higher car um, than these guys are. That completely changes how it looks up there, and visually, it narrows it. It hasn't changed it, but visually, it just changes how it looks. Yeah, and you're mentioning right there from basically that Pertex on, you can actually see the handrails yeah. that runs all along to basically where we see that thrifty sign. There's a, a new walkway that's been there for the last couple of years that would be an amazing vantage spot yeah. to watch race cars go by. Probably not the safest in the world, so you're not allowed to go there while yeah. the sessions are on. But um, it is a fantastic walk, and it does actually really show just how steep the climb up the mountain is because you look from the top of the mountain down to pit lane where we are now, and you just realise how far up you have come in such a short period of time. But it does change the view a little bit when you're walking around or, or you're driving your rental car, John. But if you're driving the race car, you've got absolutely no idea that that walkway <laughs> really? is there. Because if you're looking to the left, you're going to crash the race car because you need to be looking at the right as you come across Skyline and just clipping the wall at the apex or just running as close as you can to the wall there. So, yes, it does look different. It does look more... It does look tighter and it does look more enclosed with that uh, that handrail there, but you, you absolutely have no idea as a race car driver that is that, that is there. There was a little splash of rain, Rich, overnight, around about 2 o'clock in the morning here at Bathurst and Mount Panorama. So there are one or two damp patches still out there. But generally speaking, the temperatures have been relatively moderate this week so far. Yeah, it has been cooler than what we're used to this time of year. Certainly, I mean, you remember when we did the the later 12-hour back in 22, I think it was, and it was certainly much cooler then. But um, the February race, we've seen some astronomically high temperatures. Um, but forecast is for it to be somewhat comfortable over the course of the week. But there is a chance we could get wet at some stage over the next couple of days. And I was talking to some of the Audi internationals here, and they were like, can you just remind us where the, the, the puddles and the rivers are here? All right. You'll be right, boys. You'll yeah, figure it out. I'll be, Chris, I'll be fine. Chris Harza suggested to me that uh, in our track to town that we did yesterday, which is you can download or you can listen on demand from RadioLamont.com, uh, he suggested that it might be a good idea to stripe up a, an Audi R8 Quattro road car, <laughs> yeah. the same as the race car, and slide it out if it gets wet. Those Euros, though, just have zero fear, and um, you are unfortunately watching from home, John, because of uh, the ongoing travel restrictions, but the early hours of that 22 race will stick Maybe. with us for a long time. With that was some tricky oh, condition. man, with Kelvin van der Linde going absolutely crazy aboard an Audi chasing Chaz Mostert and remember the discussion they jumped out of the car and we cut to a shot of them about 90 minutes into the race and eyes like dinner plates it was pretty incredible stuff um, right now just on 18 degrees here in Bathurst it has been very humid there is and I don't want to get into the whole oh it's going to rain uh, discussion at this point but there is a better than 70% chance forecast for today tomorrow and indeed Sunday as well with some scattered thunderstorms this afternoon and it's been quite unsettled first two days i was in town this week we had sort of the three o'clock thunderstorm roll in over the circuit but within 90 minutes it was gone and bone dry so really interesting conditions the other thing about the racetrack as we watched the 75 car just getting a bit of that exit curb uh, at the chase and the run down into murray's was that early in the week the track was really dirty lots of um leave material, organic material on the circuit. Of course, it hasn't been used since late November last year, so it is a very green racetrack at this point. We'll keep a track on lap times for you, and you and I were looking at 
the equivalent session 12 months ago. Garth and a 4-0 was the quick time in practice one at this event last year. Right now a 206.2 for that man, Kelvin van der Linde in car number 22. Saw a little head-to-head -head run down Conrod Strait between Kelvin van der Linde and Annie Habel driving the sunny AMG Mercedes. And I was just curious to see what the straight line performance was like between the two cars. And that's something that the team... Oh, van der Linde tries to squeeze contact. Oh, oh, my goodness. With the IRC Invitational car. And that jumps well out of the way. And Kelvin is known for being pretty aggressive with the traffic. <laughs> and uh, what are we are? 11 minutes into the first practice session and Kelvin's into it. So, And his time's just been beaten by his brother, Sheldon von der Linde. This goes to the top in the number 32 uh, with a time of 204630. It is a family affair up and down the pit lane here this year, Grilzy. Yeah, a group of brothers running. So we've got Kelvin and Sheldon for the first time racing head to head. And I just had a chat with Kelvin about that yesterday. He hasn't been here since 22. He was pretty grumpy about missing last year, but he had some DTM commitments running over there in Germany's top tour, um, touring car. It's now a GT3 championship and he said yeah we actually haven't raced that much together and very rarely have they been in a position where they've been able to go wheel to wheel and he said to me i honestly don't know how either of us would approach it if it came down to the last hour and sheldon's in the number 32 bimmer and kelvin's in the 22 audi and how they would actually play it and i spare a thought for their dad sean and mum would be watching back home in south africa and how much the stress levels would be going through the roof and then john on that um Dries and lawrence vantor for the first time which is really well, exciting because they're both spectacular race car drivers at this place um I happened to be commentating when they took each other out at the Nürburgring <laughs> in the 24 hours. Awkward. And Lawrence was extremely annoyed with himself, but he put his hand up and said, um, I probably wouldn't have done that had it not been my brother. Yeah. I made a bad decision. It was coming off the long dot to get hurt uh, into the, the last little chicane at uh, the Teeth Garden uh, at the end of the, the North Loop there and absolutely destroyed a potential race-winning car. Mm. So it can't get to you, Krilzy. It can't get to you. Well, I can tell you from experience, and it's only racing go-karts against my brother. Oh, yes. That should have come down to a Vanthor v. Vanthor or Vandalin v. Vandalin in the last hour. It'll be way more spicy than anything we saw last year. Because <laughs> one of them's going to the fence. <laughs> for, for those that follow cricket, can you imagine like the backyard cricket between the brothers or any family members when you've got one throwing fastballs down and the other trying to belt them for six out of the park? It's exactly like that when you go onto the racetrack. It is you are not letting your sibling through no. regardless of... Of brand, team, sponsor, anything. It just comes down to brother v brother, sister v sister. Oh, I can't wait. For <laughs> On that. the socials this weekend, the hashtag, as ever, is B12HR. B12HR at RSL underscore studio. We'll come up on the screen in front of me here if you want to speak to us in these early sessions. And a big kudos to the event. There's a, a cost involved, a real financial cost involved in doing the extra World Feed TV sessions, which, by the way, if you're here at the circuit, uh, listening in on the FM and watching on the big screens, tell your friends back at home, these early sessions, all day today for the 12 hours, and the two sessions tomorrow morning before we go live on TV, also available here in the US. No geo blocks 
for this video uh, whilst the linear TV isn't on the air. So tell your mates, you can lord it over and say, I'm actually here. And it shows the evolution of this event, JH. Even since you first started coming yeah. here in 2013, on Fridays of days gone by, we would rely for the most part on the efforts of one man in the form of Scott Fitzsimmons, who in the space of 10 years has gone from being full race fan to the marketing boss of Net Australian Whiskey, uh, who are sponsoring, I know, RS1's coverage this weekend, which is tremendous, as well as being heavily involved in the event as uh, uh, the Porridge partner and a, a sponsor of the Repco Supercars Championship. Um, we would rely on him and his Twitter account to tell us where a car would be off the racetrack. Uh, where are they? Oh, yep, we get a tweet from Scott. Yep, they're buried in the gravel trap. Drivers left on Wherever. the chase and things like yeah. that. So, uh, inadvertently, we've at the same time put Scotty out of a job and also got him into one as well, which is nice. So, g'day to Scott. I know he's here. We saw him at a welcome function yesterday, and he's having a great time. Probably opportune to bring him up to speed with the format of this race and indeed the classes involved in it. So it is a primarily GT endurance race. The GT3 class, Class A, is split into subclasses. So the pro category is all professional race car drivers. Uh, the pro-am category includes at least one amateur driver in their lineup. Silver includes just the one pro and a whole bunch of am drivers. So drivers in GT racing are ranked according to their level of success, their ability um, by the FIA, uh, platinum, gold, silver and bronze. Uh, and as a result, they're categorised throughout the global world of motor racing. Everyone wants to be several grades lower than they actually are. You'd be uber platinum, I would Yeah, imagine. I'm stuck at platinum. Yeah. I'll, be, I'll be 85 before I drop down to bronze. <laughs> I was talking to a couple of people earlier in the week at a function in Melbourne, and they were all aiming for the 50th birthday because you get an automatic downgrade in one level of driving, and it just opens up this world of pro-am driving. Yeah, no, it doesn't change anything for me. I just no. go from platinum to gold. Yeah, you're so, no, mate, you just had too much success. That's yeah, your problem. Um, success is good. No, mate, it's, it's been quite good. Uh, <laughs> out of the GT3 cars, GT4, which is a spicy little class this weekend. GT4 is exploding in Australia um, with SRO building the domestic GT4 category. Very, very strong. It's been part of this event for a long time. Four cars in that category. If you're unfamiliar with GT4 cars, it's GT3 light. Similar sort of models, but much less intensely modified. They're more production-based and entry-level to GT competition, both in pace, driving ability, and indeed performance as well. And then there's the Invitational class, which this year is really cool. And that's where we see some... I suppose the old-school Bathurst specials popping in and out of the race. So, Mark Cars, IRC GTs, the Vortex, which we'll talk about oh. at length because that thing is utterly sensational, and the KTM GT2. Right, that's a, enough of hearing from us three in the booth. The fourth voice for these uh, early sessions on RS1 and around the world in vision as well is Shea Adam. Good morning, Shea. Welcome back to the mountain. Good morning, gents, and thank you very much. Thrilled to be back here, and I'm actually down in the second pit box, which is hard of racing, but it's it's not the mark that we're used to seeing. Uh, there's just been a driver change that's taken place. Ross Gunn has gotten out of the car. Alex Ribéris has taken over, and that's because for the next session and then the later session, Ian James will be the only driver allowed to participate in those as the bronze-rated driver. And Ian and I were talking a little bit earlier on, and Ian, I asked if you were ready for this, and you said not even moderately. This place is so amazing to finally come to Mount Panorama. What's it like to see a race car with your name on it and know you're going to get laps later? 
Yeah, I'm just super excited. Just doing the track walk yesterday was a real eye-opener for me. This place is awesome. Uh, couldn't be more excited. Apprehensive, to be honest, but couldn't be more excited. Now, you've driven with this team before, uh, not Heart of Racing, but SPS. They've run cars for Heart of Racing in the past. What's it like to be a part of a different organization from one where you're kind of overseeing everything? It's a different hat you need to wear on these weekends. Yeah, yes and no. Obviously, we integrate some of our guys here. I think we've got five of our guys uh, in the team, and we always do that. Uh, we learn a lot that way. It's a really good partnership with SPS. They're really a good group of people. They do an excellent job. And, uh, yeah, the, the Mercedes fun car to drive so yeah just happy to be on a racetrack it's also on Pirelli tires which is different for everybody to try and adapt to so what's it like for you Alex and Ross to go back and forth between all the different tire compounds yeah I mean this year is a bit of a head scratcher because you know we have the Hankooks from Creventic we have the uh, the Michelins we have the uh, Pirellis and now we're gonna have the Goodyear next weekend in Qatar so yeah <laughs> if, if everything was gonna confuse me that would yeah. You mentioned the upcoming season. Uh, you guys have a lot of driving on tap. You and Alex are sharing a lot of cars. Alex Riveras, you spent a lot of time on the sim, but then you actually come to a new track. How difficult is it to wrap your head around from the computer version to the real life? Well, we're very fortunate yeah, that we have a, a really you know, top-class driver in loop sim uh, at, at the workshop. But it just doesn't, you know, some tracks you go to, like, you know, Bahrain or Fuji, and I, I thought, oh, my God, I'm 90% of the way there. I came here, and I'm going to go, well, what, car, what track was I driving on the sim, you know? At least I know which way the corners go, but the elevation, nothing, nothing prepares you for that. Well, I'll let you go debrief with Ross, because I'm sure his eyes are going to be as big as moons. Good luck out there in the session later. Yep, thanks a lot. New fastest time. I come up in purple to make sure that... Myopic commentators like me do actually notice it. And we're down to the two or twos, GT. And I mean, these guys are throwing overhand here. And we, we're what? We're 20 minutes into the race weekend. Well, it doesn't surprise me that it is Kelvin Van der Linde that's the first into the twos because we saw just how aggressive he was trying to make his way through the traffic to get exactly what he has right now. And that's clear racetrack, which is gold this early in the session. And just watching some of the in-car cameras that we heard when we were hearing from Shay and Pit Lane was just how committed he was. So um, seriously, seriously impressive speed from Vanderlinde. But the one that got my attention, Rich and John, was Kenny Habble in the 75 AMG Mercedes. So he did a 4-0 the lap before, and this lap just completed a 3-4. <laughs> so, yeah, great. Kelvin Vanderlinde, pro driver, has done a million miles in a GT3 car, and this is his job, driving race cars fast, has done a 2-7. But Kenny Habble, the AM in the 75 AMG Mercedes, <laughs> has laid down a 3-4 on his eighth lap of the session. Oh, that, for me, is seriously impressive. Hey, GT, here's a question for you. We had the, the um, sedans out earlier on, the, class, the Group S cars out earlier on, so there would have been a little bit of track cleaning, but we had some rain overnight. Does that take some of the dust off from when this place is a public road? And so in that respect yes it resets the track but does it actually help yeah it certainly washes the track washes that dust that you talk of the group s cars the, the support category that were on just prior to this session wouldn't have done anything to rubber the track in or improve the grip conditions probably would have blown some of that leaves and debris that rich was talking about earlier would have just sort of rushed blown that offline so it was out of the way but um you'd have to say that the track from practice one this year to the correlating session last year would be very similar conditions. So this is maybe more cloud cover this year, mm. and the track certainly is faster when there's cloud cover. Um, 
So to be, what are we, 1.3 seconds faster than the session last year? The cars are, cars always improve, but the tyre is a different tyre, and I think that's something that we'll need to keep an eye on. It's a Pirelli tyre, but it's a different type of Pirelli tyre to what we saw here last year. Uh, on the circuit at the moment, we're there. Brand new Lamborghini for wall racing. Tom Aaron at Brands Hatch tweeted uh, yesterday that he'd spotted the old BASF model at one of the local supermarkets and bought it. And I said, well, you can watch one going around. It's a slightly modified colour scheme. Tom, I hope you're tuned in back in the UK at the moment. Uh, and this is by no means slapdash, Richard Creel, because uh, this is genuine art. Now, I would say Lamborghini Evo 2 Huracan was art anyway, but the livery is adding a little bit. So Adrian Dietz owns this car and put the program together with Wall Racing. They've been a staple of this event for a long time and domestic GT racing. And he popped up with the, the BASF tribute livery on his Gen 1 Lamborghini a couple of years ago. And his plan was that he'd just roll liveries over every year and do something different. But the fan reaction was so strong that he couldn't bring himself to change it. But when he bought the new car, he said, oh, I wanted to do something slightly different, but I'm, I'm slightly nervous about changing it because it was so popular. So what he did, when this is a stroke of genius, is he engaged one of his mates who's one of Sydney's premier street artists. So a lot of the public art installations in the centre of Sydney CBD have been done by this guy and said, look, can you take what I've got but artify it, make it nicer, artify it. That's not Adrian's word, that's mine, as you can probably tell. Um, and that, that's the result. So it's a slightly different version, a modernised version, you, I suppose. What would you call that? What would that modification, what would you call that? Fun, more funky? It's no. like psychedelic. Psychedelic. It is. It's got a bit of 60s about it. Psychedelic yeah, got, take on the BASF. Yeah. Porsche hippie <laughs> car from, you know, uh, the green and the green and uh, blue martini car. Well, it looks great. It's The, the thing is that that Huracan is a muscular-looking car, and I think those the extra curves that he's put into it, GT, actually really suit suit that rather than the, just the concentric circle. Yeah, it looks cool. It looks really, really cool. And as you said, John, the, the, the base car in all carbon looks cool. looks seriously oh, yes. cool. But then to lay this over, yeah, it looks really striking. I like the, the, the bonnet. This view right here actually looks... You'll know when that's in your rear vision mirror. Yeah, you don't have to play in a fluoro. You don't have to do anything like that. You see that red thing coming at you, you'll know they're coming. This is a brand new car. It's its first race meeting. It's a Gen 2 Evo Hurricane, and it arrived in Australia late last year, and um, I just my phone was pinging with messages from David Walls, and look at this bit of carbon fibre. Look at this bit of carbon fibre. It's incredible. Uh, let's see if we can check in with Shea Adam back down in the lane. Shay, how's the temperature for you right now, and uh, and what's going on down there? Seems like we've got most cars out on the track. Yeah, it's not a bad temperature. I've got a light jacket on, actually, which is <laughs> kind of funny, having come from the middle of winter to the middle of summer. Um, so the cloud cover has made sure that the temperature is staying quite down, but just wanted to give you guys a heads up. Don't trust the timing screens when it says who's in a car. I walked all the way down to Sun Energy 1 after GT was praising Kenny for that lap. 
time. It wasn't Kenny. It was uh, Lucas Stoltz who started out the session. They've just changed drivers, though, now. So, so for Sun Energy 1, it is now Jules Gounon behind the wheel of that number 75. And just watching, uh, car number 888 is about to get Will Brown behind the wheel. So the drivers on the timing screen, not necessarily the drivers in the car. Uh, have a look. Coming into the lane right now is uh, one of the Mark cars. It is the easy one to spot because it's the Martini. It's got a little bit of damage on the right front guard, on the right front bodywork. There may have been some side-to-side -side contact. It's doing that thing that TCRs do when they have a bit of side-to-side -side contact. It's kind of looking like an angry penguin, yeah. just <laughs> flapping, flapping around I'm, a little bit. I'm still at the point of the weekend where I don't want to let the facts get in the way of a good story. So I would have loved that lap time to have been Kenny. But I'm still um, backing Kenny in, yeah, in no, threes at some stage yeah. this weekend. Yep. Well, the I did note that it was Jules Gunon jumping aboard this car. So I was like, wow, yeah. if Kenny's doing a 3-4, what's yeah. Gunon going to do in yeah, this thing? Yeah, it's a, <laughs> 56.5. Yeah. Yes. Newly minted Alpine uh, hypercar driver, reserve driver. Was at the launch of that last week down at Enston. They did the F1 launch as well. And uh, Jules was the surprise driver there. I'd heard a little whisper about it. Managed to get a good chat with him. And very complimentary about... Uh, Stefan Vettel and AMG for releasing him to do that and do that as a parallel program. He's very much still an AMG works driver and hopes to get behind the wheel of that stunning-looking satin blue Alpine A424 in either IMSA or WEC competition uh, throughout this season. And we wish him the best with that endeavour. But my goodness... Krilsey, he's going for something very special here this weekend. Yeah, he really is. I'm just in awe of what this guy has achieved at 29 um, at this place. But I think the thing that strikes me, and I've talked to this before, is the way in which he's gone about it, in that every time he's achieved at this place, it has been under the most searing of pressure at the clutch moments of the Bathurst 12 hour. So Garth talked to the end of last year's race when he fended off Maro Engel and then did the same with Matt Campbell bouncing Porsches off walls everywhere. In 22 here, Maro Engel spent the last two hours of the race nine seconds apart and it would then have become six and then it become 10 and then it was nine. And that went on relentlessly. Yeah, that was just hours. like two hours oh, qualifying. Laps it was extraordinary pressure. But then remember the Bentley in 2020, leading the race by an enormous margin, had a right rear fail halfway down Conrod Strait and just cool as ice, peeled the thing into pit lane, new tyre on, went out and then had to survive the final 40 minutes of the race with the world's largest apocalypse of a thunderstorm surrounding the circuit and apparently not raining here. So every time he's achieved at this place, it has been under incredible pressure and he has not blinked once. Yeah. And that, that to me is what, has made him. But we bumped into him in pit lane on Wednesday, John, and he has genuine love for this place. Every racing car driver comes here and goes, oh, it's an incredible racetrack. We love it. But he gets the emotion and he gets the 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 thing that all our Aussies do that have been coming here our whole lives. He gets that totally. There's, there's a parallel here to be drawn with Mount Fuji, which, which is called Fuji-san. And the, the Japanese and their culture, they um, imbue that with a personality and they respect Mount Fuji. And Mount Panorama, I, I would posit, is exactly the same. Exactly the same. Except you can't race up Mount Fuji. 
no, you he's in the shadow yeah. of it. Yeah, which is not pretty damn spectacular if you've ever been there. And I'm fortunate enough to say I have been. Um, the roads around it, particularly on a Saturday night, um, are very interesting for some... Um, Japanese car culture. Yes, mm. yes. <laughs> Non-sanctioned competition <laughs> is what I was going to say. Um, it's and that's that's worth the trip on it on its own. But we all, we always say here, Krillzy, don't we? The mountain will decide, and and Jules is absolutely a believer in that. You were talking about that when the weather came down. He said, and he, he said he knew the car would have been no good in the bad weather. Yeah. And it absolutely lamped down. Yeah. Straight after checkered flag. Yeah, and the, he, he said a little prayer. He said, I said a little prayer. The Bentleys were not good in the rain that year. They had a wet practice session earlier, if memory serves, and they weren't mm. particularly strong. But he crossed the line under the bridge, and at turn one, after he was celebrating, it rained. Yeah. yeah. It was extraordinary. Uh, Chris Haser is behind the wheel of car 22, the Audi R8 LMS from Audi Sport Team MPC. That lap time, 202.7 set earlier by Kelvin Vanderlinder, but that is the quickest of the session. Seven tenths up on the 75 Sun Energy Racing Mercedes AMG GT3. Charles Vitz has dropped up to third place in the number 32 BMW, if you're here at the circuit. 46, and we're riding on board with it at the moment, has the factory BMW M livery, the blues, the whites, and the reds. Uh, as it was last year, the 32 and the very attractive yellow Shell Helix livery. Not to be confused with the <laughs> Shell V-Power livery yes. on Yasser Shahin's number well, 9. You say not to be confused, but if, uh, from a long shot or something behind some trees or a barrier, it will be. I'm, I'm putting that out there right now. <laughs> that Porsche looks really cool. Too. Oh, it does. We'll, we'll get to that because that's going to be a pro-am contender for us. Um, the other big thing we need to learn this weekend that I think will catch me out at points, and we're riding on board with 46, and it's a good point to bring it up, is that Raffaele Marciello, star of Mercedes-AMG here, on the podium numerous times, has almost won this race numerous times, is now a BMW factory driver, and that's going to take some getting used to because his exploits behind the wheel of a big AMG GT3 at this place have been the stuff of legend. But you can only think that with him added to that driving squad in 46, it makes that car even stronger. We're not in our usual spot here. We're a little bit further down the pit straight in the big boys box. We are this weekend. Thank you for the promotion, um, which means it's a little bit more difficult to see what's going on at the start finish line under the Repco walkover bridge but there is a black and orange flag there the, the meatball flag as they call it in American racing and that is for the number 91 mark cars out there at the moment so race control have seen something that they are concerned about and they will have to come into the pit lane and rectify that that is the number 91 wheels FX racing mark cars in the packed Invitational class, which is just, I think we're going to be talking about that invitational class a lot over the weekend. I agree with you. How's the martini livery on that thing, by the way? Yeah, where did that? That just came out of nowhere yesterday. I was like, how good does that thing look? Yeah, it looks mean. Tim Slade about that this morning. He's quite quite looking forward to his little weekend with that team. Great to have Keith Kasulki back. A massive crash this time 12 months ago uh, down at the chase. Had brake failure. A rotor exploded on that car under brakes. That massive stop around the kink and then up the hill. Um, Huge contact with the tyres and the concrete fence uh, at the... Uh, just in front of Ridges Mount Panorama. They have got a little bit of damage on the right front corner of that guard popping out, a bit of movable aerodynamic device on the 91 
Mark II. One of, as John said, a remarkable invitational class. Seven cars in it. It's the biggest since 2016 in that category. So there's some real good competition there. And they're currently scored in. Well, it's Keith behind the wheel. Just wait for the timing screen to uh, uh, They up. are... In 23rd, and that puts them one, two, three, fourth in the invitational class. Um, by the way, eagle-eyed viewers and listeners on the timing around the world, and that guard is actually getting a little bit more flappy uh, as he comes from. Is it, is it just the underpart? No, it's no, not. It's, it's the, the guard trailing itself. edge of the front yeah. guard. Yeah, yeah he's, he's almost at V1. It's, all, and it's not far it's away a, from departing the scene. Yeah, yeah, indeed so. Um, eagle-eyed Viewers and listeners will have noticed there have been 30 3-0 cars out. You might have been expecting 31. If you haven't been following along, we have got Creelsea, unfortunately, a car that, uh, that didn't make it here. It's still stuck in a shipping container somewhere in the world. Hub Auto um, moved heaven and earth to get here. We were excited about having them back. They were here a couple of times when they were a Ferrari team. Nick Perkett drove for them one year. They were a really strong outfit based out of Hong Kong, and they entered a very, very good team with a Porsche 992 GT3 RS. We pop upstairs to Motorsport Australia Race Control. For those watching the stream, uh, uh, centre of shot is race director to the stars, James Taylor. He has race directed this race for more than a decade and understands the flow and the management and how to control this. And there are some new rules we'll touch on as we work our way through practice as well. Worth talking about. To his right was Craig Baird, who started this race plenty of times and has been on the podium several times. And uh, he is the driving standards chief for this and indeed the Repco Supercars Championship. So uh, it's just the view upstairs in race control. And we should say this is the start of the Bathurst Superfest uh, for 2024. A unique opportunity has arisen and... It's a big week in sport, basically. It's huge, isn't it? <laughs> it is absolutely huge because we start the Repco Supercar Championship here next weekend. And... This has not been done here before. Each of the races having their own separate character and their own event status, but spread across effectively a 10, 11-day period, Creelsy. That is, is, I mean, it's, it's a ridiculous festival and feast of motorsport here. Yeah, and some cool activations happening in town in the middle of the week as well. So for those sticking around, I have real regrets about not buying property in Bathurst pre-pandemic when it was affordable. You and me both, Fuller. We've had this conversation yeah. quite a few times, haven't we? That angry rumble you're hearing in the background is the number 91 mark car that is going back out. A very simple solution. A piece was broken on the car, so they removed that piece and are sending the car back out without that piece. So basically it's it's almost like a grate cover and uh, the little grates had fallen off or had been knocked off. I think uh, depends on which side of the story you're going to be paying attention to. The bottom piece of the carbon had broken and split, which is why the angry penguin wing, wing was able to then flap around loosely in the breeze. They have removed the entire piece, and rather than actually cut it off, they took the time. They unscrewed it and put it back so that they can fix that bit of carbon and eventually save themselves some money down the line. But rather than lose more time in this session, they've removed that piece and sent the car back out with a slight gap in the bodywork on the right-hand side. But no harm, no foul. It's more important to get the driver's time at this stage in the running. 
appreciate Adam down in the pit lane in this early week coverage on RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited of audio and visual channels. And we've added some video this year. I said we, we had nothing to do with it. Actually, that's all down uh, to... I suppose listening to the stakeholders, the teams, the sponsors, and of course you, the fans, and our early week coverage in audio, thanks to Ned Australian Whiskey. And uh, Tractor Town is published on the website at the moment, if you want to catch up on that when we finish here in about two and a half minutes' time, because we are inside the last couple of minutes, Creelty. To breathe in Conrad straight there, GT. Yeah, that was uh, Raffaello Macchiello that may have. Just made contact with that little bit of debris that we saw. I don't think it was the actual debris from the 91 Mark Mustang. Um, where we heard from Shay mentioning that they took the time to actually remove that that offending bit of bodywork. And you actually do that because you, you do more damage tearing it off. So yeah. you're better off to just undo it. And then you, it's an easier repair at the end of this session. And we, we did mention it's a tight turnaround between practice one and practice two. So it's probably more so that they can get themselves more organised for practice two in a more timely manner. So that was smart play. Just picking up on Marciello here, who did go faster on that previous lap, down to a 3-3 as he plays himself in for the first time in a BMW around Mount Panorama rather than an AMG Mercedes. So front-engined GT car for Marciello, but a very different flavour of front-engined GT mm. car. Different engine specification. The power comes in differently, and no doubt the aero will work differently as well. And the only turbocharged car in the race this year from a GT3 point of view Normally aspirated Porsche, of course, with the flat six hanging out over the rear axle, the big V8 of the Mercedes AMG GT3 and the V10 mid-mounted in the Audi R8, the BMW turbocharged. It's great to have WRT back for another year. They're a team that won this race in 2018 when they were a factory-backed Audi squad. They're now driving BMW's program in the FIA World Endurance Championship, still running their GT program as well. Um, like so many people in this paddock, they'll be off to Qatar for the FIA WEC prologue next weekend and then the opening round of the World Championship the week after. Matt Campbell will be among them for the factory Porsche Penske squad. Um, good to have them back. They were really solid last year. Yeah. There, there was a period of about six hours in the middle of the race where they didn't quite have the raw race pace of the Mercs and the Porsche at the front. Outside of that, they were as good as anything. So I wonder with 12 months worth of learnings and experience and um, small tweaks to BOP year on year, I wonder if those BMWs will be a really good race day proposition yeah, this year as it, well. It looked like last year they struggled with the heat. Yeah. It looked like once the track got hot and the ambient came up that they didn't have the speed, whereas the naturally aspirated cars certainly were more consistent all the through the heat and that hot part of the day. Sounded like the voice of Paulie Martin, the operations director downstairs, uh, managing the on-track product, just reminding the teams that they need to pull into pit lane and interesting and, and park at 45 degrees. And it's those local little one percenter rules as well that the international teams especially need to be sharp on. And we were talking to some international drivers early in the week reminding them that, for instance, when the safety car lights go out, no weaving. Yeah. How many penalties over the yeah. year have we yeah. seen it in this race with really good drivers getting a drive-through penalty for something as simple as that? Yeah, it was uh, certainly my job when I was driving with the Audi factory drivers to 
grab them all and say, right, do not. These win. are the rules, and we <laughs> cannot make these mistakes. No. So the, the safety car restart rule was one, and we certainly, when we had Kevin Estray here for the 1,000 last year, spent a lot of time yeah. with Kev. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember from the 12 hours, like, yeah, mate, we just got to make sure we get this <laughs> yes. one right. <laughs> he was one of those drivers in that Hub Auto Porsche as yeah. well. I was looking oh, forward to seeing him back don't, in the don't. GT car here. Check the flag out then, Krillzy. One or two of the class cars still to come to the line, but that top time of a 2.04.2.37 for the 22 Audi. Finished in the session by Christopher Haaser, but it was his teammate who put the time in earlier on ahead of the BMW, actually two BMWs, the 32 ahead of the 46. That's the shell car ahead of the M power car, if you will. Uh, then the number 75, Gilles Gounon finished the session for Sun Energy and the AMG, seven-tenths back. Uh, Marcus Winkelhock is still out in the number two Audi, waiting for him to finish, but I'm not sure his splits are going to improve him. Einchan uh, Guven, first time here, but knowing his background, he will have done a bazillion laps on the sim. In the 992 uh, spec GT3R, the only 992 that we've got here uh, this year. So that's the newest version of two of those. Phantom uh, two of those, yes, and, there is. Uh, Sorry, yes. And the 912. Yes. Uh, so that's your top six. Uh, then it's the triple eight. Uh, Will Brown was last in that. He's coming to the line now. Alex Riberas is the best of the pro-arms uh, for Harter Racing in their Mercedes that they've got with SPS. Felipe Fraga next up in ninth position for the 130 Mercedes. And then which the, what's the one that's blanked out? Oh, that's Jamie Winkup in the uh, Mercedes. I'm not sure why that's blanked out on my screen. That's the Johor Motor Racing 888 entry, car number 88. So 20273, 1.3 seconds quicker than the equivalent session last year. As Garth mentioned earlier, that's a very, very quick lap. And for the second year in a row, Audi's on top in free practice one. The WRT band W is looking pretty strong early, second and third. Um, Cam Waters and Craig Lowndes did the driving in triple two STM. We'll talk more about that car. That's a really fascinating combination in the pro class this year, having a go about it. Silver class entry, Marcel Zalua and Sergio Perez, the Sydney Siders, the very good mates and business partners joining forces. They were quickest in their Audi. Uh, and Nick Perkat fastest in the invitational class in the Superglass Racing. Matt Stone Racing entered IRC GT car. He'll share that with Cam Hill and John Hollinger. That's a very strong combination. So a fast start on Friday morning on the mountain. Overcast conditions, but a quick session and uh, a nice way to work our way into the Repco Bathurst 12 hour of 2024. Ryland Gray at the top of the invitation class. And in the triple one and GT4, the the number 25 car was piloted by who? Jesse Bryan uh, at the end in that McLaren Artura GT4, of which we have two this weekend. So that's just wrapping up the quickest in class. Stands for nothing at the moment, other than people going few. Uh, we've got that one out of the way, Garth. That... People want to get out on the circuits. They want to get this session over with. They're now going to feel a lot better about themselves. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, we saw very early in the session the intensity level was quite high. Vandal, both the Vanderlinder brothers going at it. Um, Lucas Stoltz was going at it hard. So 
And then in the second half of the session, it almost like everyone slowed down and eased into it mm. a little bit more and got into their programs, whether there was some more full, full tank running and, and just drivers getting laps. And, and you're right, John. It's just a matter of getting through that one. No red flags in practice one, which is a great result. So all the cars... Who had that in the bingo cards? No, I don't think no, anyone had no, that in no. the bingo cards. So that's a good start. And uh, certainly now they'll be downloading vision, downloading data and going to work, rolling up the sleeves and going to work ahead of... Well, we practice three for our pro teams, but a very quick turnaround for the bronze drivers will be out for practice two not far away. And if you're here on the circuit listening on FM or watching on the big screen, the action continues. In a few moments' time, out on the track, it will be the first session for the combined sedans from the 2024 Repco Bathurst 12 Hours. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.